1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today as always by Lisa Roman, my colleague and co-host, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we have a guest analyst with us, covers women's soccer for The Athletic. Please give her a follow on Twitter at The Race. Steph Yang joining us to talk about AFC Women's Asian Cup qualifiers. Before we get into everything though, quick reminder for everyone, to go ahead and rate us, uh, attacking third on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, it's very easy. If you're listening right now on any of those apps and you like what you hear, you can go ahead and give us a five star rating. And it truly helps us here at attacking third. Much love is always to our listeners. Lisa, Steph, how you guys doing? I'm talking about World Cup qualifiers, AFC uh, Women's Cup on Paramount Plus beginning January twentieth. I don't know if people knew that. Steph, you work there. Like, do you know that you were going to be able to watch this on Paramount Plus? Yes. <laughs> Sick. love that
2: um, I mean I'm a big TV nut in the first place and I was pretty excited because sometimes accessing international tournaments is not always the most easy thing in the world and I was like oh this is as as accessibility goes compared to everything else I was like yeah great I, I already
1: have Paramount Plus for all the Star Trek shows I'm a giant nerd so <laughs> that's like another like episode for another day like talking about the Really, really rough days of trying to access these types of tournaments and games. And look, I have been periscoped,
2: a feed brought like being um, projected onto someone's wall from another country. These are like the <laughs> the good old days.
1: These of- are good days, man. <laughs> yeah. God, a periscope, what a throwback! Jeez, I. Uh, I, I did have that thought when we were like prepping for this, reached like a little background for our listeners. Right. It was like, we want to do a preview for all kinds of world cup qualifiers. Cause CBS actually has a ton of broadcasts <laughs> for a lot of the different qualifiers that are happening. And yes, it was CONCACAF's a big one, right, for us. And But there was also the UA, uh, some of the UEFA qualifiers that we had on. And then when we knew we were going to have Asian Women's Cup, it was like, well, we absolutely got to have like a centralized place for like a, a quick preview, quick 101 for folks who might not realize that we are going to be airing this on Paramount Plus A. And then B, just like this could very well... It could be like the introduction to some American audiences for the first time to some of these national teams that are going to be playing uh, in in, in this tournament. But in terms of like what the Asian Women's Cup is or what what it is, it it serves as the World Cup qualifiers for the 2023 Women's World Cup, which is going to be taking place in Australia and New Zealand. It's going to be hosted in India, uh, in three stadiums across the country. It's going to be starting this week on Thursday, January uh, 20th, and the qualifiers will end on february 6th it's the 20th edition of the cup in the asian football confederation and it's going to be in india for the second time uh as they were hosts uh, once before in 1979 and it's the first time the final tournament was expanded from 8 to 12 teams which is also real nice always nice to see more uh, national teams involved in this stuff uh, five nations are going to qualify for the world C- uh, world cup through these knockout stages and two additional teams from this tournament will advance to inter uh, inter confederation playoffs Uh, so i'm pretty hyped about this i love the expanded uh team format for sure i i think uh we talked about it a little bit we said we're gonna maybe break this down through groups instead of maybe just like listen off team after team after team um so three groups for this uh for this tournament it's going to be a group a a group b and a group c obviously with india as hosts uh they're right in in the thick of it the other eight teams were decided by qualification matches last year during uh september and october but let's jump into group a really quickly we've got India, the host, China, Iran, and Chinese Taipei, rounding out the four groups for group A. And I'm going to put myself on blast, okay? Because, again, we were chatting a little bit off mic. And Lisa presented me with a question, which I will present back to the both of you later on in this episode. If I had maybe a team that I was, like, pulling for in this competition, and I went with my heart, and my heart said, I think I really want to see the host do, like, a special thing. And I'm gonna be keeping my eye on India in this one a little bit. Uh, you know, they're yes, they're the hosts. They're ranked 11th in the AFC, 55th overall in FIFA. But I mean, they kind of I feel like leading up to this this tournament, we had heard about them and seen a little bit of them in in action. Probably most one of the most recent windows when they went up against Brazil, right, and in Formiga's uh, farewell sort mm-hmm. of uh, matches. So I'm I'm hoping that they maybe, I don't know, that they maybe do the thing, that they maybe like surprise a few people. But in terms of whether it's India or some of the other teams, like Steph, who who are you maybe keeping an eye on in, in this group?
2: I mean, I think when it comes to this confederation, any confederation on the women's side, you do tend to get the countries that have had more time and more resources to develop versus the countries that are newer and younger and still, you know, putting things together. Um I agree with you, I really want to see India do well. Mm -hmm. I think it's always good when the host country does well at a tournament, because the knock-on effect for their program is invaluable, right? You're at home, you're in front of home crowds, and it's kind of proof of concept of, hey, we can deliver a product if only you invest a little bit of time and energy and money Mm -hmm. into us. Um, I have, you know, personal favorites. I'm going to be rooting for the homeland, South Korea. Right. But I'm very interested to see what Japan does because they're in a big transition period. Obviously, Australia. I'm very interested in seeing what Thailand and Philippines do as well because I think these are two Southeast Asian teams that have been kind of putting those pieces together for a while. And they kind of have a vision of what they want to do as opposed to being a young team that's just like, let's just get in there, you know? And yeah. so. With a little more organization, a few more resources, some more results, I think this is going to be a really valuable tournament for those two.
0: I, I agree with India being um, someone that you need to really keep an eye on as host country of this because playing at home, yes, it's, a, it's across their country in three different stadiums. But um, as you mentioned, Steph, if they can generate a lot of buzz for them in their home country, that could really benefit them. When I, when I also look at Group A, um, you have to kind of keep an eye on China because ranked 19 in, in the FIFA rankings, um, they've had a lot of success in this Asian Women's Cup. They've won the title eight times, totally. Uh, And most recently in 2018, they finished third. So it's tough, especially in Group A that they have going up against India um, and Iran first time making it into the Women's Cup. But this this is a group that has some competition. But uh, looking at it, though, I think India is going to give a lot of trouble to the other teams in this group and hopefully sneak out because I think that would do a lot for the country and the nation and the women's team in general, but you can't sleep on China in this sense because they've been in this position many times before and they've won it. They know how to win. Uh, They have the team now that could potentially do that. So I have to keep an eye on them when we're looking at just group a, I'm not getting into my favorite yet, Sandra I'll I'll wait for that big question. I'm
1: not, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to ask it in the other two groups too. Uh, in terms of, like, yeah, pointing out maybe the heavy hitter, right, in this group, and then maybe obvious, pointing out the obvious, the, the host, mm-hmm. would that, would we just assume that that makes, uh, you know, Chinese Taipei or, or Iran uh, like the underdogs of this group, right? We're talking, I mean, when we're looking at Iran, it's like it's going to be their first ever... Mm-hmm appearance in this Asian women's cup. They're, they're the debutantes, right? And the uh, for the first time, I think since 2014, there was a debutante when it was uh, Jordan back in 2014. And then for the Chinese uh, Taipei, in terms of their journey here, Steph, maybe, maybe not a ton of opposition that, that stands out the most in terms of these two teams. Do you think either that maybe have a shot to to make it out of the group? Chinese Taipei would be my bet. Iran, when
2: you look at the qualification, Chinese Taipei, they had you know confident wins, but no blowouts, which you don't want blowouts, right? But those can be a signal that tell you like who's organized and who's not, who's experienced, who's not. Iran, in the end, they struggled against Jordan. They had to go to penalties in order to advance out of that game. And so when you look at that the history of their programs and you know just how much time that they've been afforded to to train and play. Chinese Taipei, I think, has the edge.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I'm um, I know that the games are going to be taking the games are going to be taking place across like from from January 20th all the way through six. But in terms of the the group. Matches for this one, I believe they're taking place on the, uh, the 20th that is uh, going to be kicking things off mm-hmm. and then the 23rd and then the 26th. So if people are, are looking for uh, action specifically out of group a uh, across, you know, Paramount Plus. Uh, you're going to be looking for those uh, specific days if you want to see any of these particular teams uh, participating uh, out of Group A. Let's maybe uh, move into Group B a little bit and center in on the, some some of the other teams. For Group B, it is Australia, it is Thailand, it is the Philippines, and we have. Indonesia for for Group B. I think maybe we got to start at the top there, right? <laughs> uh, with with the with the Matildas. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the 2018 runners up, right? Mm-hmm. Second, uh, uh, they're second in the AFC uh, ratings, 11th overall in in FIFA. Uh, I think when people are looking at this group, I think when people are looking at the group and this tournament as a whole. The Matildas are probably the the squad that maybe stands out uh, the most. Uh, do you mm-hmm. think they have a shot running away <laughs> with this one? I think Thailand
2: could make for some interesting an interesting game, but I do think Australia should be the heavily favored favorite. They have a massively experienced roster coming into this. Um, you know, recent results haven't been they've been a mixed bag um obviously they play some friendlies against the united states it was a tie and then one was like a 0-3 loss but you know they had a win over brazil and some friendlies some mixed bag results before that in 2021 but um i i think they're a team where you look at the personnel on the roster and even in those games against the united states you know the 0-3 loss but at the same time like you could see that they created trouble for uh, a U.S. side. So I think in this group, they're going to be fine.
0: No Looking struggles at, for you, Lisa, for Australia? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that they have to kind of take a, an exploratory stance when they head into this Women's World Cup. Because as Steph mentioned, it, it might not be the most challenging run for them throughout this Group B look. However, they've already qualified for the the World Cup being hosts for 2023 Women's World Cup. So can they show us something different throughout this women's cup and maybe try different personnel in different positions, move things around, try to get different players comfortable in different situations, because this is a really good opportunity to face some varying competition throughout group B and kind of see what they can, what they can bring to the world. Um, no, they've only won the cup one time in seven years. So I'm not sure how likely they are to get out of that one, but also when you're looking at at Group B, they there's also Thailand in this group who odds uh, they have some momentum going for them. 2018, they reached the semifinals uh, for the very first time uh, since 1986. So they they have a taste of it from 2018 and the last time this women's cup was played, but. They, they need to be able to continue to move forward and continue to look really good uh, throughout this Women's Cup. But, I mean, Australia, yeah, they have to be the heavy hitters in this group overall looking at it. But I don't actually think it'll be a walk in the park. I know we chatted a little bit about the Philippine teams uh, before – we started recording this one and and they also have some really good key players on that side that can create some competition in this match. So like when i look at group a and group b just comparatively between the two and, and looking at the four sides, the competition in group a seems a little tighter. However, the competition in group b, i think we could have some surprises there and and someone uh perhaps like thailand could come out and and show us something different that we haven't seen in the past from them uh, throughout this women's cup, just looking at the group B and and the group round group stages of this knockout round.
1: I think when I'm I'm looking at this group, I'm thinking like, obviously in terms of like the, uh, the, um, the casual American fan, right. Maybe introducing themselves to this type of tournament Mm -hmm. and looking at the teams involved, seeing somebody like an Australia, like there's going to be obvious, familiarity there perhaps in terms of you know having maybe seen the United States women's national team play a number of games against the Matildas right but then i am also looking at a team like thailand and and maybe for a lot of those american casual fans their most recent reminder is that tough uh you know world cup outing um that mm-hmm. they had against the united states so i i personally would love to see thailand do a little maybe shock a few people maybe sort of shake off this kind of you know warp narrative that they might have around uh their team based off of maybe that last kind of major tournament um that people might have uh seen them in and i'm sure like in terms of making those connections to to teams which we, t- we maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Philippines in this aspect, but uh, you know, players that they maybe do have those sort of American ties and that people are sort of looking to make those connections with somebody like a Miranda Nild. you know, being able to get into a tournament like this, possibly, uh, you know, coming out with a little bit more, you know, name uh, recognition, depending on how, you know, she, she in the in uh, Thailand perform right in this, in this group stage. Uh, but next to Australia in terms of the numbers and in this group, they're considered maybe, you know, the top two of this group, mm-hmm. right? When you have Australia ranked second overall, and then you've got Thailand ranked seventh overall, and then you're looking at Philippines and then you're looking at Indonesia back to back with Philippines ranked 13 overall and Indonesia ranked 13th overall. So in terms of maybe looking at two underdogs, uh, maybe like Steph, I'll throw it to you. Like, where do you, where do you see uh, Philippines and how they're maybe going to um, perform or, or shake out in, in this group? I think once again, you have to go back to qualifiers for the AFC
2: tournament, where if you look at Thailand, um, they were organized enough to take apart like Malaysia, Palestine. Um, And they're a team that I think is on the cusp of, they're able to take that next step. They're comfortably handling regional opponents. Um, They're kind of able to dominate the Southeast Asia region through, you know, the, the, Um, investment that has gone into them and you look at their roster and they have, you know, like five players with at least a hundred caps. And you look at the Philippines roster where their highest capped player has 47 caps and that's our Mm -hmm. goalkeeper. So there's, you know, clearly a gap going on here. So if I look at Philippines and I look at Indonesia there, I would say Philippines again has an edge here in terms of which one is less of an underdog. Um, And, you know, once again, people have to remember a lot of it is dependent on who, you know, gives a hoot about these teams in in their federation, who's willing to give them the funding and are they able to gather players? When we talk about the Philippines, Lisa, we look at their roster and we could probably do a whole show specifically about these issues where they've heavily recruited from American universities and players who have benefited Mm -hmm. from the NCAA college system. Um, and that's maybe where their program is right now, where they're having to go to find talent, people who've had the benefit of, you know, training programs that they're not able to find in their home country at the moment because the investment and the development and the mindset towards women's soccer just isn't there yet. Locally. Do, you,
0: do you think that will ultimately spur on the the Federation and spur on uh, the local talent in the Philippines um, to maybe gain some more funding and some more interest in their women's side of the program because the Philippines are kind of outsourcing to players that have played in the American system, which honestly is a smart move at this point. If you're you're looking for top talent to try to reach out to players that have played at the top amateur level in college to kind of bring them into your system and help grow the game uh, locally from within, do you think that we could see that kind of develop in the Philippines over the next 10 years, let's say, if they continue to do this and if depending on results of the Women's Cup? It's such a double-edged
2: sword because Mm -hmm. we do talk about the benefit of these tournaments, you know, hopefully having a knock-on effect, but it requires somebody in the Federation to have the sense to say – you know, to look at a result, especially if it's a bad result and think I need to invest more, not less. And that's all, All that's always my worry with women's sides yeah. that have historic, they're coming in underfunded, underprepared through no fault of their own. And then of course they get blown out with 7.0, scores. And that should be a signal to any federation. Like we need to do more, not less. We need to do more and not just ignore them because, oh, you know, they're terrible and they're always, they'll always be terrible. So I really can't say you know, having not paid super close attention uh, attention to, you know, the situation with the Philippines, um, it's certainly my hope. And that's my hope with these tournaments. As we go through the, these group lists and we talk about the underdogs and the obvious standouts, which is the benefit here, I think is not in, you know, blowout results and underdogs just getting to be there it's the trickle down effect where if more teams have to be in these tournaments that means more teams have to go to the qualifying tournaments that are mm-hmm. regional and i think it's been my you know position recently that what benefits is more like inter-regional development because these teams can then actually play in a more you know teams that have more parity with them which does them more benefit you know, right now, as opposed to coming to the United States to play in some friendly where they get beat, you know, 13 nothing in a game that means really nothing to either side. So, yeah, that's where I think the the benefit will ultimately be, not just for the Philippines, but for all the teams that qualified for this. But as we go through the list and talk about, you know, who's the senior team and who's the underdog here, it's just something for us to, I hope that everybody keeps in mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great point. I mean, even looking, at when you're looking at these Player rosters, and we're looking at these sort of two teams, uh, two final teams that we're talking about in Group B, in Indonesian and, and Philippines. That there are players, yes, in the in the in the Philippines roster that are that have that playing assistant or playing experience because they are coming from American collegiate programs. And you look at a, a squad that's like Indonesia and just sort of see that the caps there are even smaller compared to maybe. Mm-hmm like a national team uh, like the the Philippines and that there are only maybe a handful of players in the Indonesian side that, that had that are tied to an actual club in which they can continue their development and uh, get, get playing time. And then for for Indonesia specifically, if we're centering in on them to sort of close out the group, um, Yes, 19th in, in AFC, but this is sort of maybe almost like this tournament could be viewed as a bit of a, a reintroduction for them in terms of their their program on a, on a bigger or larger scale, perhaps, just uh, because it's going to be their first appearance in, in this tournament since 1989. So there's maybe a little bit of just like, hey, like, there's a little bit of the reintroduction here where it's like, actually, we have a women's program. We are trying to sort of revive it. And it just sort of goes back into this, this sort of adjacent conversation, right, that we're having alongside going through these groups where it's just like, hey, what, the support and the funding and the resources, right? Um, in terms of uh, this group, though, before we close it out, least I said I'd ask you in each group, is there a team here that you're keeping an eye on or are we holding off for Group C? I'm going to hold out for group All C. Right.
0: But like right. personally, personally, Steph, we chatted about it. All these American players on the Philippines. I have a friend that plays for the Philippines. So uh, I'll be cheering for her. Go Riley um, this, But This is the shout out but, portion. The, the shout show? out portion. Of course, we we got to plug like the <laughs> articles. We got to plug this. I just got to plug my friends that play. That's about it. Uh, so I'll be watching them, honestly, just for her. But I'm holding out on my, my favorite to win this one for group C. I mean, honestly, group of death, but we'll get there.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? That's called a transition. <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. get into it we're going to take a look at a group c to sort of close out the preview for everyone Mm -hmm. uh we've got japan south korea vietnam Myanmar, in this one i mean i think just running down the order of the teams that we just went through when we're talking about maybe breaking things down heavy hitters in this one maybe the underdogs in this one if we're going with the heavy hitters first i think we're looking at japan and south korea i think uh for breaking down these two teams, I think maybe I'll start with Japan with you, Lisa, and then go South Korea with you, Steph. For for Japan, we've got third ranked, you know, in, in, in the AFC, thirteenth in FIFA. They've they are an experienced team in this tournament. Um you gotta maybe look at that and say, hey, they're they're a top dog in this one, and maybe they can make it out of this group. You have to look at Japan. They are, are star-studded. They have a lot of
0: good players on their side. Um, they also are just one, right? They, they're the title favorites. They're defending champions of this. Uh, although it's being hosted in India, um, I think that Japan has this bullseye on their back because they are the ones that just won it. Um, and, and they kind of have this look at this group. I mean, w- this group is tough, right? Like you just mentioned it, Japan, South Korea, really big heavy hitters, even Vietnam. Like that's, that's a team that could make a run, that we could see something surprising out of them based on what they did in qualifiers. But Japan is... Uh, definitely someone that needs to kind of keep their eyes open. I I think that we could see this is a moment where we could see a team um, either fall into lapses of, uh, I don't want to say misjudgment, but just kind of looking at their group that they're in and say, okay, if we beat South Korea, then we're good and we're golden and we're sailing through to the quarterfinals. Instead, it's it's almost like they need to be getting better and better in each match they're playing throughout this group stage so that they can continue on and not just look ahead to the, the quarterfinals, the semifinal, and even the cup final of this one, ultimately hoping to go to the Women's World Cup. Um, definitely I mean, defending champions, so that's the biggest thing in it. But uh, South Korea, they're going to put up a really big battle. its just, I would almost argue that South Korea might be the favorite in this group just based on what I am personally looking at. Um, of course, not how the rankings turned out. But, uh, <laughs> Steph, I mean, for you, looking at especially the differences between Japan and, and South Korea, for South Korea, for you, are they per- perhaps like the heavy hitter over Japan? Uh, I don't want to jinx it.
1: <laughs> Play Homer. but We're on the Homer head. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: I think you have to, part of it is you have to look at momentum. So Japan mm-hmm. just got a new head coach, uh, Futoshi Ikeda. That would be October of last year. And since then, they've had kind of some iffy results. They lost 2-0 to Iceland. They drew 0-0 with the Netherlands. Um, obviously, they had that loss in the Olympics to Sweden. Um but they're in the middle of a transition period. They're coming out of their golden era, that 2011 to 15 and on, and they're trying to replace an older roster with younger players. And when we look at that 0-0 draw against Mm -hmm. Netherlands, we actually see it was a lot of younger players and there were maybe like two vets out there on the field. We had, um, you know, obviously a center a center back in there to kind of keep things to like keep everybody calm and then somebody else on the field. And the rest was just kind of younger, more inexperienced kids. And so, you know, a a zero zero draw against Netherlands with a lot of kids and not many vets, you're like, okay, you can kind of see what's going on here. They're trying to create a squad that can uh, perform, you know, in crucial tournament stages. um, Whereas opposed you look at South Korea if you watch their games against the United States, yes, one was a six-nothing loss. But I would rather look at the zero-zero tie against the United States, where they really held out. I think their head coach Colin Bell has been doing some good work with Korea in getting them to stay defensively organized. In the next game, you know, with a six-o loss, you could see it just the the exhaustion set in. Um, once again, <laughs> the Americans, if you can't outplay them, then just outrun them. And that's a little bit of what happened. But again, with Korea, they were also relying a little too heavily. They had uh, one player, I felt, doing a lot of the lifting. That was Cho So Hyun, who's a veteran of the team, but she's also like 33 years old. And against the United States, she was having to do a lot of like running back and forth. She was covering a lot of ground, desperately trying to get Korea, A, in control of the ball and B, transitioning forward. And just, you know, you can't just, of course they have uh g so young but they were relying on cho so heavily that if it happens again in this tournament they're gonna that was just two friendlies against the yeah. united states this is a tournament yeah. and so if that happens again they're gonna burn out fast
1: yeah it's a quick i mean it's a it's a quick turnaround i i didn't do this for group b but i'll i'll, I'll do this for both of them uh group uh group b and c in terms of like folks wanting to to pay attention to the action of these two groups if they're looking for dates. It's it's going to be January 21st, 24th, and 27th for both Group B and C if you're particularly interested in watching the teams go head-to-head in these groups. But uh no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. That's a huge, huge point. That's going to probably be a big factor for South Korea in, in this one. Just because kind of like what Lisa mentioned, like maybe like this one is the group of death. I think if we're looking at one, I mean, because when you're looking at a, a team even like like Vietnam where we're maybe focusing that there's not a lot lot of uh intel on them right but this is a team that i wouldn't even maybe call them like the the underdogs of of this group maybe they could be like the spoiler of this of this group you know six overall and in afc 32 uh overall and in in fifa rankings and uh they've got experience in this tournament you know eight time uh you know appearances and in the asian uh women's cup and they've got maybe players that can you know kind of kind of come out of nowhere maybe sort of you know take the reins of a game and and just sort of take over I mean when we're looking at uh, their highest goal scorer you know leading up into this into this tournament and if I'm high yen eight goals over two games in yeah. 135 minutes like that's this is a, a player Sandra, that- and,
0: she's, and she's 27 years old she's a player that is I'm- right in the prime right of her her career almost uh, but yeah
1: I think, like, it, like kind of talking, like, what Seth was saying, like, in those, those double-edged swords, it's like, this is a player that's probably going to be on a scouting report, right? Sure. So this is a player that maybe they're going to target and maybe try to isolate. But at the same time, like, you just never know if there's if that's going to be enough if that's just going to maybe be like the x factor or the or the one key thing for a team like vietnam to maybe sort of get a a, a shocker draw against like a, a japan or, or or south korea um, in terms of the final uh, team in this group uh minamar uh, what what do we think is is maybe making them the the underdog and and possibly pot- potentially a team to to surprise uh, any of the other uh, teams or maybe steal some points off of any of the other uh, three teams.
2: Uh, you look at their performance and in qualification, I don't want to try to directly compare Vietnam and Myanmar out of quals because Vietnam um, did a 16-0 against the Maldives and 7-0, 7-0 against Tajikistan. Whereas, you know, Myanmar, they had solid wins over weaker opponents and no and no blowouts, but, Uh, that's not necessarily random on their performance against each other. Um, I do think Vietnam shows more organization uh, among the team, which will maybe give them the edge because sometimes when it comes to younger teams, the team that just has better organization is, is going to win regardless of like the average talent level on the team. Um, I, I mean, I have to admit, I have not seen, Myanmar actually play. So I can't comment on the actual skill level here, which kind of sucks, right? You you would love to have Mm -hmm. international women's soccer be accessible enough that you can watch those like 3 a.m. games where you're like, oh yeah, let me put on the Myanmar game and just like (laughs) casually, right? Um, but yeah, I, I just based on on things like experience and qualification and the information that we have. Yeah, I would I would edge Vietnam here over Myanmar just because the average experience on Vietnam's roster compared to Myanmar, they do have experienced players, but the experience drops off pretty sharply after you have like a starting 11.
1: For me, I was, Vietnam,
2: I Vietnam is
1: my bad. We keep talking. over. My <laughs> fault. That's, I just am so excited. I'm going to say that like that's a thing that maybe we hadn't gotten into too much in, in some of the groups is that like depth is probably going to come into play and a huge factor, especially once they get into those knockout rounds. Go ahead, Lisa.
0: Yeah, for me, Vietnam is almost my underdog favorite if I can use such an oxymoron as that because they are a a bit of an underdog in that sense is not ranked super high in any of the rankings that they have 32 in FIFA, uh, but they are someone and a team that, does have a lot of organizations, definitely, as you mentioned, and they can score a lot of goals, 16-0, 7-0. They have a lot of good goal scores. But when you look at the other side of those score lines, they conceded zero. And now again, the competition that they're facing against may not have been the best test for them in the qualifiers, but still to have the, the organization to score so many goals. And, and once you get past a certain goal scoring point, you almost let up and you open up lots of gaps and holes because players are making uh, decisions to get goal scoring opportunities and to just move forward down the field, which can open up holes defensively in your organization. But to hold both of those teams uh, scoreless in their qualifying matches, I think that says a lot about the defensive abilities of this team. So although they can score goals, they can also... uh, prevent them from getting in Um, I'm going with the golden star girls because I like Vietnam in this one I like I I like that they can do and I think going up against teams like Japan who could pose a big threat to them and South Korea of course could I think that Vietnam could surprise a lot of people Um, so I'm gonna I'm putting my hat on those on Vietnam because I want to see them go far I want to see them do well.
2: Well, as ever, the teams that sometimes play spoiler in these groups, it's not through shock wins. It's Mm -hmm. through goal differential. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's always a tactical question, right? Are we going to turtle up? Are we going to park the bus and then try to carefully look for our couple of chance on the break here? Or are we just going to, you know, go for it and try to stick to our attacking principles, stuff like that. And I think when you look at you know, Japan and South Korea's performances, both of them are teams that at times have had issues trying to problem solve, especially when you look at South Korea and the problems they had trying to figure out how to break down the the United States. So maybe Vietnam sees that and they think, okay, if we can really eliminate a couple of key players in the midfield, eliminate their ability to um, you know, control the ball in key areas and kind of just stick to our defensive principles, we'll be able to spring, you know, a player here and there, keep them on their toes, keep them, you know, keep stretching them here and there um, so that we're not constantly compacted and then see where it goes from there. Because sometimes you just have to play the spoiler
1: and, you know, try to stick to your strengths and minimize your weaknesses and we'll see. I love it. I'm hyped. I'm I'm getting excited about it. Just previewing this and talking about it with you guys. I'm going to be keeping an eye on the host. Steph says she's sticking with the motherland. I love it. Going to keep an eye on South Korea. And, and Lisa, I think, giving us the, the, the mystery pick, holding out to the last group saying she's going to be keeping an eye on a Vietnam during the Asian Women's Cup. I love it. Uh, I want to thank you, Steph, uh, for for being with us today we appreciate you and uh, this was fun uh, maybe we got to have you back when uh, when we got to maybe take a look at the the final or the the championship game there and see how how everything played out during during this competition another reminder everyone before we exit the show you can watch the Asian women's cup on Paramount Plus beginning January 20th all the way through to February the 6th we're going to have all the games if you are watching this tournament stateside god bless you the times are quite early <laughs> they're ranging anywhere from if you're on the west coast like you know 2 a.m all the way to 9 a.m if you're on eastern so i'm sure we're gonna get a, a, a few and for sure to try to take a look at them and we'll have some things to, to chat about uh later on and of course as always i want to thank our listeners for listening once again steph again for joining us you can follow her on twitter at race, you could follow us on twitter at Attacking Third, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. You can leave us a five-star uh, review on Spotify and if you have any questions for us, you can actually leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question and Lisa and I will answer it during our May We're also available as video, so please subscribe to us on YouTube, visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And we'll be back on Friday with more coverage and exclusive interviews. We're to that Lisa Robinson and